Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, I am excited for today's episode. All of January, we had guests on the show, um, which was a little untraditional in my 120 episodes, who were telling their story, their personal story. And I mostly have used the show to platform experts, coaches, healers, people who can help with the mental health processing after abortion. So it felt really important to, to have a whole month of people's story. And then I have this lineup starting today (laughs) of medical experts. I have, I think I have three, um, three recordings scheduled right now with physicians. And so I want to welcome you, Tia, and let you introduce yourself. Um, And then we'll just chat about your expertise and how you see reproductive health and reproductive justice in the world. Sound good? Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Tia Jackson Bay. I am a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist. It's kind of fancy way of saying I do see most of my patients who are suffering with infertility and who are actively trying in some capacity to get pregnant. Mm. But then we also manage conditions for persons who maybe they have a condition that can affect their their fertility or their reproductive health. Um, Things like uterine fibroids or Mm. endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, or even different kinds of shapes or abnormalities of the uterus. Um, and so we see, you know, kind of the full spectrum, but the majority of the patients are coming actively seeking pregnancy. Yeah. And so, you know, through this work, I've uh, had opportunities to um, engage with multiple different sectors. I'm a women's health provider at the core, um, being trained in obstetrics and gynecology first. Um, and it's, it's always been very important to me that we are... Um, you know, just very mindful of the complete spectrum of family planning. It doesn't just stop with contraception and abortion care. It continues through pregnancy care. It continues through postpartum. Um, And in there is also infertility care, Um, making sure that persons, you know, can achieve the families they want when they want. You know, we Mm -hmm. want to be able to avoid pregnancies when you don't want and then have pregnancies when you do. And so, um, you know, I really do see it as kind of all encompassing as two ends of the same spectrum. Um, And I have a lot of colleagues who feel that way as well. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I agree. Uh, Is this care like when you knew you wanted to go into medicine? Is this a field you knew you wanted to go into or did it evolve over your over your no study? it was not. I initially, I come from a large family. Um, I think initially I didn't realize that everyone didn't have big families like we did. Um, and we had a lot of children around. So I, I just assumed I was going to be a pediatrician. I think uh, there are yeah. even drawings, you know, from elementary school yeah. of me like 
taking care of babies in a nursery or something. Nice. Um, and, you know, in medical school, my focus shifted. I actually did a lot of research in prematurity and infant mortality. Mm. And then kind of dawned on me, I was like, if I'm going to make a difference in fetal and infant health, then I actually need to start with women's health. Mm. And so that's where I started to transition my focus in terms of you know, prenatal care, um, you know, postpartum care, just overall lifespan care of women. And during that time of kind of, you know, figuring out which way do I want to go? What do I want to do? What's most important? I was introduced to the field of um, reproductive endocrinology. Um, and I had no idea, even as a medical student, that people had so much trouble trying to yeah. achieve I think, you know, like many people, you take it for granted. I come from a family on my mother's side. My grandmother had 11 children. Yeah. Um, I've lost any. She's never any, you know, stories in our family of fertility issues. And so you just take it for granted that some people really do struggle and really do have a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so something about that really spoke to me and I enjoy the work. It's, you know, a lot of happy. It's not all happy. It can be quite tough and quite challenging, but I really just enjoy that as kind of like, um, you know, helping people to achieve the families that they want. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's such important work. Um, One of the reasons I wanted to have you here today on the show was to speak to the science around I'm a very spiritual person we talk a lot about mental emotional health and like you know just like the emotional connections um we I am not super science-based so we're in opposite worlds right and a lot of people I see are still struggling to believe that the abortion they had when they were 17 or 27 is not connected or the reason that they can't get pregnant now. Um, Another thing I see all the time is people who have abortions are not yet mothers, want to become mothers, and then they spin into this like cyclone of I'll never get to get pregnant again. That was my only chance. I ruined my only chance. So I am hoping you can help break some of the misconceptions around the connections between choosing abortion and Mm -hmm. I'm referring to like safe like well cared for abortions um Mm -hmm. and later infertility or family planning so yeah yeah. Uh, you know and I think it's that's important distinction to make is the majority of abortions in this country, thank goodness, are of the safe, you know, and and well-attended sort. And so, you know, there's really no reason to think that, you know, an abortion or, um, you know, by any name, termination, um, pregnancy loss, you know, sometimes miscarriage management actually is very similar to, you know, the procedure that we take for terminations, that any of that, you know, has significant uh, reproducible, reproducible clinical bearing on future fertility, mm-hmm. um, you know, but there is a very strong emotional component. And, you know, unfortunately, I think some of that has to do with 
shame and stigma in our society. Um, you know, we see it similarly on the infertility side. Why isn't my body working the way that it should, you know, good word can be so dangerous. Um, you know, not being able to, you know, provide your partner with a child or God forbid your parents or, you know, um, in-laws, um, you know, or just, you know, this, this kind of stigma or, um, shame about it all. Yeah. And so I, I do recognize that, you know, that's a huge part of, you know, the experience for persons who've experienced abortion as well. Um, but just in terms of, you know, what a termination of pregnancy actually entails, you know, two most frequently um, used would either be to take medication to, you know, kind of stop um, the growing pregnancy. Um, most of the time, this is, you know, a, a, a a medication that kind of modulates hormones. And so it just doesn't support the continuation of the pregnancy. The pregnancy stops growing, it stops um, replicating, and it was able to pass, you know, very similar to like a heavy menstrual period. Yeah. In some cases, um, and you know, those medications do not have long lasting side effects. Um, there's, you know, no reason to think, you know, once your menses resume again, normally, then everything hormonally in your body has kind of refreshed itself for lack of a better. Um, and so, um, you know, for some people, it takes a while for the pregnancy hormone to go down, which is a kind of a chemical signal to the rest of the body that it's okay to reset hormonally. But once the pregnancy hormone has gone down, once the pregnancy has been expelled and menses has resumed again, there's, you know, no reason to think that there would be any issue. The surgical- And on that, well, uh-huh. before you jump to surgical, super important, thank you. On that note, like with a medical abortion, mm-hmm. um, those hormone changes are no different than having a natural miscarriage or a baby. Nope. Like you're just waiting for the hormones to reset just because you, you, you induced it with a medication, it's all the same physiological process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So important. Thank you for clarifying. Okay. Now surgical abortion, because this I think is probably the one even more people think is connected and yeah, go ahead. And so depending on how far along you are in the pregnancy, you know, a surgical termination um, typically involves dilating the cervix and evacuating the contents of the uterus. You know, earlier on in pregnancy and what we call the first trimester, this is typically done just with gentle suction. Or sometimes if you're further along, it can require a more extensive procedure. But, you know, in general, the reason why we evolved to using suction as opposed to instruments and once upon a time they were metal or what we would call sharp mm-hmm. is because the suction does less damage to the inside of the uterus. It kind of just helps the pregnancy to be released from the uterine wall and then to be expelled. The point is never to, um, completely empty the uterus it's really to kind of just disrupt the pregnancy and allow it to empty um, mm. and allow the uterus to kind of complete the process mm. uh, and so with that you know we've seen um, much less impact of this kind of procedure on future fertility because our concern with you know some of the older techniques and especially with um, you know illegal unsafe um, you know non 
antiseptic um, abortions was risk of infection. Yeah. Um, you know, infection into the lining of the uterus that can be pretty significant or um, scarring of the inside of the uterus as an effect of kind of taking too much of the tissue yeah. um, and the tissue that is native to the uterus, the endometrium. Yeah. Um, but with suction, you know, we really, you know, there's much less consequence of running a risk like that. So all of that to say that the chance that a medical termination or surgical termination um, impacted future fertility is, is very low. I mean, I want to, I dare say it's not have an impact, everything, you know, impossible. Yeah, exactly. There could be some sort of risk. But, you know, if you think about the demographics of persons who, you know, may go on to have, um, you know, medical terminations, most of them are women who already have children. So they have demonstrated fertility. Um, sometimes it may be, you know, younger women, but then they may not decide to have a pregnancy again until they're much older. And we know that age is actually the biggest predictive factor of your, your success to achieve pregnancy. Mm. So, you know, sometimes it just may be other circumstances that are not being examined. As I mentioned, you know, there's so much kind of guilt and, um, you know, secrecy, shame, um, that can come along with the decision to terminate. Um, and, you know, that can also unfortunately play a huge role in needing this need to assess blame, um, yeah. or almost punish yourself in a way yes. where it's not true. Yeah. Those, that language, the need to assess blame and the self-punishment is just so rampant. So, yeah. I mean, our brains just want to catalog, like, why is this happening to me? There must be a reason this happening is happening to me because that somehow, even if it's not true or logical, makes us feel like we have some control or some, yeah. But the, the reality is essentially these things are unrelated. I remember when I, um, before I felt like my family was complete, I considered an IUD. And I remember calculating like, okay, there's a chance this could create scar tissue and end impact fertility. And that chance was like so teeny, 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 tiny. So like you said, there's always a chance that one thing mm -hmm. is connected to another, but statistically mm -hmm. there is no reason anyone should be concerned with future fertility after abortion. Absolutely not. And for anyone who, you know, th so this is another important kind of thing to remember is the actual definition of infertility. So for women who are younger than 35, you know, they meet the criteria for infertility if they've been actively trying <clears throat> or had sperm exposure for 12 months, consecutive months, or 12 cycles, however long that is for them, um, without successful pregnancy. Over the age of 35 or <clears throat> excuse me, at age 35 or older, um, it's not necessarily that the definition of infertility changes, is that we want to investigate sooner. Right. And so that it hasn't happened at six months of trying, then that's the time to seek an evaluation. Over age 40, we say, actually come to us first. You don't have to try yeah. very long and just come on in because we know that there's a huge impact of age on the ability to get pregnant.
And so, you know, even with something like that, just thinking of, you know, how old you are um, and, and, you know, what exactly is happening will let you know if you're infertile or not, you know, not getting pregnant for one or two months does not equal infertility. Chance of achieving pregnancy is when you're youngest, you know, early to um, early twenties to, you know, early thirties. Um, but even then the best chances per month is probably approaching 20% Mm -hmm. in many cases, closer to maybe 15%. And so in your, it's not a huge chance of success per month. Now, you know, the chances of success increase with, you know, multiple tries and, you know, you may have your best chance in about six months or so of trying, but, you know, I, I have to remind everyone of that is that, you know, having, Um, or trying for a month or two or even three um, does not guarantee a pregnancy in that time. So, you know, making sure that you actually meet the definition for infertility before kind of letting your mind escape and wonder and be afraid is Mm -hmm. important. You know, for anyone who is over the age of 35 who is interested or if you have any other medical conditions going on that could impact your fertility, the things like, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome or just periods that are very irregular. By irregular, I mean that they can be unpredictable or that they are, you know, one cycle may be, you know, 30 days long and then the next cycle is 50 or 60 days long, which means it took two or three months for your period to come. Um, you know, if that's the case, then you may want to be seen and evaluated sooner because you may need some help getting pregnant. Similarly, if you have a known um, history of something called endometriosis, which is a condition where the lining of the uterus is actually growing in other places like your fallopian tubes or your ovaries or in your pelvis and can cause chronic um, inflammation and some scarring. If you have that condition, even without having tried for a long time, we would rather see you sooner because we know that there may be some difficulties and maybe we can help with that along the way. You know, other conditions such as uterine fibroids or having hormonal issues or, you know, anything or having, you know, a male partner who, you know, has some sperm quality issues. Those would be reasons to seek care sooner. But, you know, for the majority of persons, if trying for at least six months on your own, Um, is the first step and not achieving pregnancy in the first one to three months does not mean that you're infertile. Wow. I, I forget, I even forget that, you know, I, I was very fortunate to conceive as desired. This abortion was my first unplanned pregnancy. I had a miscarriage and three full-term pregnancies. It's so easy to jump to that conclusion, right? I've been trying for three months or four months. I must be infertile. And so that's where the work of mind management and just paying attention to to what's going on emotionally is so important because it's so easy to jump to those conclusions of like it's yeah. over. I'm I'm infertile. You must have a lot of people who who come to you and say I'm infertile. I need help. And then you follow up. How long have you been trying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes have persons who've been trying for years and they're like, well, I wonder why this hasn't happened. And, you know, you think to yourself, well, wow, what, what, what were the barriers that presented them from coming two years ago when they, interesting, or, you know, infertility at that time, probably shame. Um, I bet a lot of it is shame. Yeah. Some of it is shame. Some of it is knowledge, you know, and 
exactly what we're trying to do here is just really present you with facts and, and data and what's normal versus not normal. Right. It's not your period should resume after, you know, having a, 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 a abortion or pregnancy termination. And so if your periods do not resume, you know, I would say within about two months or so after your procedure, that may be worthwhile to investigate, to go back to your doctor and, you know, try to figure out what's going on. Yeah. But we talk a lot about menses really being like a vital sign for women. It's mm. so important and it's a marker of reproductive health. And so if, if things have kind of resumed normally there, you know, a lot of people are using what we call period tracker apps, or even if you just yeah. mark it on the calendar, uh, sometimes that can be very helpful and give you a lot of information about your reproductive health. Yeah. Where do you think these assumptions and myths came from? I actually just had, I have some really heavy bleeding right now and I'm just trying to investigate, figure it out. And so I had a, um, oh gosh, hysteroscopy. Is that what you call it? Yeah. <laughs> I can never say that word. Anyway, they removed some polyps and did a biopsy. Everything's healthy and normal. Um, but someone who's really close to me and I love, said like do you think it's from your abortion and I was like wow like the where do we where does this come from these like assumptions that our abortions somehow damaged our uteruses or our bodies like honestly I think <laughs> first foremost it comes in stigma yeah. because abortion really to me what that means is that person however well-meaning sees abortion as bad and you yeah. shouldn't yeah. And therefore anything that bad that comes from your uterus is because of that bad thing you did. Exactly. And so that's really where it comes from at, you know, population level um, is that we really have to destigmatize abortion. It is a normal part of women's care, yeah. is a part of healthcare, um, similar to giving birth or having a C-section. Once yeah. upon a time, you know, having a C-section was unconscionable. Someone's mm. going to your body open to take a baby out like that's it was barbaric and now it's routine right. you know but for all indications we do it to save women's lives to save babies lives to you know help stalled labor as opposed to having you know a, a baby or a mom die in labor which happened commonly you know 100 200 years ago so you know it's it's a, in my personal opinion it's among that same vein is that yeah. we really work to destigmatize abortion um, same way we're working on so many different fronts to destigmatize you know alternative lifestyles things that are just not what you're accustomed to in your home but are very much normal for many people mm -hmm. um, and so that's you know it, it it takes a lot of exposure it takes people being honest it takes representation you know and think about media and tv film celebrities if yeah. people can't came, you know, forward and said, actually, I did that too. And, you know, it was okay. You know, we see it a lot in our world now with celebrities talking about their fertility treatments and how yeah. that has been so that persons know that I'm not the only person who went through this. I think, you know, to have that same kind of culture around abortion would be tremendous. And I think it would do a lot for this kind of mind body shame. Yeah. I think other part of it comes from a time before safe abortions. You have to remember we're really years in. We're only 50 years into safe, you know, and a, a widespread available access to abortion in this country. There are still many 
countries where it is not available um, and where women have to resort to, you know, really difficult situations that can be life-threatening yeah. in order to pregnancy. And so, you know, once upon a time, if you had to go to, you know, some local person or a family member or, you know, some person who was, you know, doing performing abortions without much regard for care or safety or cleanliness, you know, those procedures were dangerous and did have higher chances of uterine infection, uterine scarring, permanent uterine damage, yeah. and things like that. So I've, true. <laughs> I've worked other countries. I've seen how women come in when they are trying to terminate pregnancies on their own and the damage that it does. Yeah. And it's incredible. And, you know, I was reminded by mentors when, during my training said, this is how it used to be before yeah. you guys don't know about that because you haven't seen it and you have no idea, but you, you know, come in and see someone floridly septic. And it's because she's not telling you that she went to some place to have an abortion a week ago, and now she's fighting for her life <sighs> or have her uterus removed. So those are the kinds of examples that I think feed into this, yes. you know, stereotype. But I think it's important for women to understand um, and for all persons to understand that abortion is incredibly safe. The way we practice now, the evidence that we have from the past 50 years of um, collecting data, um, the, you know, technology that we have um, and the techniques used is it's incredibly safe procedure. It's no different than your hysteroscopy. You know, right? your well, I know when I went in, she said, you know, your, your, uh, what did she say? Your something and DNC is scheduled for eight tomorrow. And I was like, oh, huh, yeah. right. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was really, it even caught me off guard to hear like, cause it's just the words. I was like, wow, this really is like the exact same procedure. It's nothing different. The therapy itself also has a risk of, yes. of infection of all of these things, yeah. but the risk is minimal because of how we perform the procedure. Yes. We perform sterile room under sterile technique. Uh, you know, instruments are used, the, you know, the whole team in the operating room is, you know, um, completely dressed from head to toe and sterile procedure. And, you know, there's all these different protocols that we have to take. And the same is true for abortion in this country yeah. today. Yeah. It's no different. And so, um, you know, to, to assign what was in the before times um, to how we perform procedures now is very different. Yep. Yep. Uh, thank you so much. I have another question I would love to ask you. And then if there's anything else you feel like was left unsaid, what would you say to listeners who have been telling themselves the story, then have been repeating the belief that they threw away or wasted their fertility, right? They, you know, that time has come and gone and they sabotaged it and now they're doomed. Like what, just to speak to their hearts for a second. And then. I think one thing to do would be possibly to reframe what they gained by having their abortion. Yeah. Um, did you gain freedom mm -hmm. to make decisions or choices? Did you um, gain, you know, the possibility to do something different for your family 
or to direct your life in a different way, um, to take a new job, to move, to leave a partner, um, to focus on the children you already had, um, to save your life. You know, we forget that there are, you know, sometimes life-threatening reasons for termination. Um, and just to think about what, what you gained from that and what you gained from having that um, available to you in a safe way um, in, you know, in accessible in whichever way you were able to, you know, do it. And mm. so that, that's one way that I think can be helpful is to, instead of look at what you lost, is to look at what you've gained. I love that. Yeah, the question that pops to my mind is like, what did you fertilize? You didn't. You didn't carry out a pregnancy, but what did you fertilize? Mm -hmm. I have a, um, I have a twelve-week coaching program called Birthing a New You because I think that we don't birth babies when we choose abortion, but we do birth a new version of ourselves. We birth a new life. We did fertilize something. What was it? Was it the freedom to leave that relationship? Was it the freedom to go after that job promotion? Like, yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. It's opportunity. It really is opportunity because I think yeah. anyone from prior generations who did not have that choice, yeah. would, you know, can you imagine being stuck and, you know, having to um, do something that just wasn't right for you at that time? Um, you yeah, know, and so, you can, you can yeah, look some, at that the opposite yeah. way, right? Like, they were forced to carry a pregnancy, which meant they aborted their freedom. They terminated their right to, to be on their own, to travel, to go after that job, whatever it was. So there's always, there's always multiple ways to look at it. Absolutely. Hmm. Anything you feel like is left unsaid or lingering? Um, nothing I, I can think of in particular, but just again, to reiterate, if someone is questioning their fertility or has concerns or, um, you know, is just feeling, you know, I, I guess ambivalent or just uncertain of what the impact could be would be to, you know, maybe twofold. One, to reach back out to your provider, um, either, you know, where you had your termination done, or if you have a relationship with a primary care provider or a GYN, um, to really just discuss the options and maybe to see if there are some exams or tests that should be done for you, you know, just based on your individual history. Yeah. Um, the other thing would probably be to work with a therapist mm -hmm. um, they trust and, and try to really work through that process. Because I think that, you know, again, there's just so many layers of, you know, stigma and shame and guilt wrapped up in reproduction from the beginning to the end, yes. from contraception choice or not from, you know, people who've had an STI and beat themselves up about that or feel like they'll be, you know, never be able to find a partner because they have one um, of a pregnancy at an unplanned pregnancy, maybe at a young age or a difficult point in life. And, you know, maybe what my life had been had I not chosen to, or having a termination or suffering from infertility. You know, these are huge, major life-changing things. And, you know, sometimes you're going to need some help to work through all of the different layers um, to really, you know, understand the problem and understand how to 
you know, how to resolve some of the issues for yourself. Yeah. A lot is really rooted in how you talk to yourself, but then also all the messages that we receive from media and family and friends and, you know, judgments and things like that. And so, you know, one, getting the factual information from a healthcare provider, but then also really finding a therapist who can, you know, either specifies in this line of work on reproductive issues or in trauma-informed care, I think would be really important. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your wintry day. And thank you for doing the work that you do. Um, I found you on Instagram. Is that a place people could reach out to you if they if they care to? Or do you have a different way to do that? that no, prefer? I look at the, the link in my bio has um, a phone number you can call if you're interested to schedule a consultation. Otherwise, yeah. you can look at the Instagram content. Yeah. Um, I me that way. It's fine. Perfect. Okay. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.